Welcome to First Line. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson, and I am a student doctor in my last year of medical school. First Line brings listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness through an osteopathic lens. First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, how to succeed in medical school, and various topics in healthcare, including mental health, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. I encourage you to seek the advice of a physician, a DO, or an MD with any concerns or questions you have about your symptoms or medical conditions. Hello, everyone. I included a personal update in my last episode, so if you're looking to hear a little bit more about what's new with me and how fourth year of medical school is going, please go back and listen to that episode to hear more. I will be talking about opioid use disorder, and it's likely that if you're listening to this episode, there's a reason for it, whether you yourself have a problem with opioid use and want to hear about different options, more likely you may have a family member that has a problem with opioids and want to learn more so that you can support them. Then many of you might be in the healthcare field and want to learn a little bit more about the subject, or you're just a person that wants to be educated on this disorder just to have that knowledge and have that understanding about this topic. So all of those are great reasons to listen to this episode. And maybe you just clicked on this episode or maybe this episode just started because you listened to another episode of my podcast and that's okay too to put this in perspective on why we should care about opioid use disorder overdose on opioids is actually the most common cause of death in adults below the age of 50 years old so this is a big issue it really is and many more suffer from opioid-related disorders, and maybe it doesn't cause death, but it definitely causes decreased function and decreased participation in society, decreased quality of life, and you can imagine a lot of health issues too. So that's why this is important, and before I go any further, what do I mean by opioids? So, opioid and opiates are usually used interchangeably, and there's not too much difference, but usually opioids refers to everything under this umbrella, so natural, synthetic, opioids, all of it, whereas opiates usually refer to more of the natural opioids like codeine, morphine, and heroin. 
but for the purpose of this episode, I'll probably use these terms interchangeably. So, I just list a few of them, but also fentanyl is included in this umbrella, as well as oxycodone and hydrocodone. And also important to know, some of the street names for opioids can include dope and smack, and those refer to heroin. And there's a lot of other street names. I won't go into all of them, but sometimes fentanyl is referred to as China White, and morphine can be called white stuff. Oxycodone is often shortened to OC or oxycotton or just oxy. And then Percocet is often referred to just as Perks. But there's a lot more street names that you can look up. And so it's interesting that opioids a lot of times are illegal drugs like heroin, but some opioids are prescription drugs like oxycodone and hydrocodone and morphine. And opioids can be in the form of oral, like a pill that you take. It can be through snorting, snorting a powder. Sometimes it can be smoked, and then some some of the preparation can be through an injection. There are receptors in your body called opioid receptors. There's multiple opioid receptors. One is the mu receptor. That's the one that's mostly focused on. This is the receptor that leads to feelings of euphoria, but it also causes uh, pain relief, which is usually the medicinal use for opioids. It can also cause respiratory depression, which means slowed breathing, and then also sedation. So it is a downer, not an upper. And this receptor also leads to constipation and that's why sometimes there are forms of opioids that are used to actually treat diarrhea. And there are drugs that are agonists to these receptors, which means they turn these receptors on, so they cause those effects. Then there's also some opioids that are a mixture of an agonist and an antagonist. So they turn on the receptor and then they partially decrease the receptor, so they kind of regulate the receptor. An example of this is buprenorphine, and it can be used with pain management because it does have that agonist activity on the receptor, but it can also be used for people that have dependence on opioids because it is also an antagonist, and it can be a good in-between from taking a lot of opioids and having a, an opioid use disorder and going cold turkey. It's a very good in-between. It's usually paired with naloxone and it is administered under the tongue. And another reason why we care about this topic is that about 70% of drug overdoses that lead to death are 
caused by opioids. So this is why people get addicted to opioids while on a prescription given to them by their doctor for good reason because of pain. And a lot of times after a surgery, it's probably the most common when, when I see opioids prescribed. So it starts with that. And then they they keep using it. They keep asking their doctor for more and more. And when their doctor says no, they then try to get that same prescription off the streets. And eventually, since they are getting drugs off the streets, they might start to look for something a little bit stronger. And since they're already getting stuff from on the streets, that's when a lot of people fall into the trap of taking heroin and fentanyl and things like that. So it is especially an addiction that a lot of individuals don't really choose to have. They don't choose to abuse these drugs. They start, and it's a slippery slope, they start with good intentions of treating their pain for a specific purpose, but then they it's a slippery slope and things come out of their control. So that's why there's different regulations now about doctors prescribing opioids and doctors being encouraged to seek other pain management first. And if that doesn't work and they have to give opioids to limit the amount that they give at a time and that they work with a patient to start tapering off of whatever dose they're on and to bridge it. So that means provide additional pain management as as that's being tapered off. So in, including Tylenol and increasing levels of Tylenol while you're decreasing the levels of opioids. So you still get that full pain relief. You're transitioning from using an opioid to transitioning into using something much safer and non-addicting. And that could be Tylenol, that could be aspirin, that could be any other NSAID. So that's really what's being encouraged and that's where healthcare is going. However, you can imagine there's a lot of issues with that when individuals do not become addicted to opioids but and they use a very small dose but they consistently have chronic pain and they need something stronger than Tylenol or NSAIDs on a daily basis and so opioids is their only option then it's really it's really hard because doctors are now told to limit the amount and then we also have patients that are undertreated with their pain and they're still living with very bad pain because doctors are refusing to give them opioid medications because they're so addicting. So it really is this balance that we have to achieve in healthcare and I don't have all the answers for this but very interesting subject to think how can we help people not become addicted to opioids and not set them up for developing an addiction by giving them 
too much opioids and too high of a dose, but then how do we have those regulations in place and still adequately treat the pain for our chronic pain patients that really do need something like opioids after all other options are exhausted? But I think the majority of the time, not all other options have actually been exhausted. I think that's why I really love osteopathic manipulative treatment because that can help a lot of patients with chronic pain. And not a lot of people know about it, so I encourage you, I do have previous episodes on osteopathic manipulative medicine and manipulative treatment. But yeah, a lot of people don't know about it or they don't have someone who practices it in their area. But I think as there are more DOs being graduated and more DOs that embrace this tool to help patients alongside medication, that this will really help with the opioid epidemic. Then there's other things too that I think is often overlooked, like acupuncture can help a lot of people, and even massage, and I think a lot of times people also hold stress in their body, or have untreated depression or anxiety, and that can absolutely manifest as chronic pain. A lot of times having patients start attending therapy, or starting a patient on an antidepressant, or anti-anxiety agent that it actually helps with the chronic pain as well. So I think these are ways to start, but I still think there's that matter of having policy that is really inclusive of the people that have chronic pain and may need to be on opioids, at least while they're seeking these additional treatment options that might take a bit of time in order to start working. And then it's a balance between that and the people that are dying from overdose every year. So I think that's all I'll say about that for now. So what what does opioid use disorder look like? Well, for it to be an opioid use disorder, it requires either heavy use or frequent use of opioids that then causes functional impairment. So a lot of times individuals aren't able to work anymore, aren't able to um, socialize anymore, they have broken relationships with people in their lives, and they're just not able to live their life like they did before. And often what goes along with this is a level of tolerance, uh, which means that people become used to a certain dose of medication and that dose no longer has the same effects on them as it did when they first started because they're used to it. Many of you may have experienced this with caffeine in that if you're drinking one cup of coffee for a really long time then it won't have the same effect on you as it did when you first started so then maybe you'll go up to two cups a day. You can imagine that with opioids, it's even worse because instead of a little boost of energy, we're talking about euphoria here. And then opioid use disorder is also associated with 
very significant withdrawal symptoms that could occur and then significant withdrawal symptoms that can occur. And this can include high blood pressure, increased heart rate, irritability, uh, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and even flu-like symptoms like runny nose and chills and uh, goosebumps. And that this is actually where the term cold turkey comes from because when you do go cold turkey from opioids and you stop them completely, you'll get goosebumps. Um, and that resembles the skin of a uh, cold turkey. And there's also been an association with opioid use disorder and and other mood disorders like depression and anxiety and trouble sleeping. And it can cause hallucinations and even an increased sensitivity of pain, which is really unfortunate if the individual started taking opioids to start with to treat their pain and now they have increased pain. And so the treatment for opioid disorder is really what I what was really important for me to focus on in this episode. So one we already talked about, which was buprenorphine. And this is a long-term medication that is used to substitute the opioids with another opioid because buprenorphine still acts on those receptors, but it's longer acting and it causes less euphoria. Uh, So buprenorphine with naloxone, not addictive. That combination of pills is, it's also referred to as suboxone. Um, Suboxone is the other name for buprenorphine plus naloxone. And so that's a very, very good option for, for patients that suffer from opioid use disorder. And this is considered maintenance therapy um, because it is used long term. Another one that is used is called methadone. And methadone is a long-acting opioid. So same concept here. And it can actually treat withdrawal as well as maintenance therapy. And it's recommended that these medications be given alongside therapy, and usually that is cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. And this type of therapy focuses on restructuring cognitive thought patterns. In addiction, this is very relevant in that it's certain thought patterns that then influence our actions and then our actions reinforce our beliefs and so on. So cognitive behavioral therapy can interrupt that. And I talked about that recently in an episode on different types of therapy. So I invite you to go listen to that episode if you want to hear more about CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy. And the the combination of that therapy with those medications is often referred to as medication-assisted treatment. And so that includes counseling and medications to help with the disorder as well as therapy. It's really tailored to the individual and their needs and where they are in their recovery. Then it's important to treat any medical problems that come along with 
opioid use, especially if opioids were used IV or intravenous through injections, because those individuals are at high risk of problems that come from using shared needles or contaminated needles, so that can cause endocarditis, which is an infectious process of the heart, very serious. Hepatitis C is more common in individuals that use IV opioids, and then HIV can be caused as well. So I hope this was helpful to you to learn a little bit more about opioids and what effects they have on the body, and hearing a little bit about how it's treated and knowing that there are several different options available and knowing that therapy is really an important aspect of this treatment. And like depression, like anxiety, it really is beneficial to come at the issue with both medication and therapy. And addictions are no different than that. Any addiction, uh, whether that's opioids or other drugs or alcohol, uh, therapy plus medication is very important. And I had an episode earlier about alcohol use disorder that came out about a year ago now. So if you want to hear more about alcohol and how alcohol use disorder is treated, then please go back and listen to that episode. And if you have any suggestions for a future episode, please don't hesitate to reach out to me with topic suggestions or questions that you have that you want to get answered. I really love hearing from all of my listeners. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let me know that you like First Line. If you are listening on Spotify, tap the star to rate the show. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll down and tap to rate or write a review. Thank you so much for your support. You can follow First Line on Instagram at First Line Podcast or on Facebook, facebook.com slash First Line Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.